Welcome to GRX. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're joining us for worship, and uh, this is your first Sunday with us, want to let you know we're in a series on prayer. And this is our third, uh, this is our third message in this series. And the series is called The Eleventh Hour. We call it that because we're, uh, we're praying together at 11 o'clock. Um, this is what I've been encouraging our church to do, 11 a.m. or 11 p.m., wherever you are, to pause and weave prayer into your day. And if you've been here at GRX for a while, you might have just noticed that even the last song that we did was Ray was leading, I came up and prayed in the middle of that song, or towards the end. And you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's a little different. We usually don't do that. But we did that because it was 11 o'clock. And so even here, we are weaving prayer into what we're doing as a worshiping community. Before I get further into the message and the series on the 11th hour, I do want to do a little housekeeping. Uh, I just was told that the water is shut off here at, uh, at King's Academy. Um, I have no idea why it shut off. But um, if you're like me, sometimes we just like to know. So the water shut off <laughs> for whatever that's, that's worth. Um, if you are really thirsty, um, I don't know what to tell you. So. <laughs> you know, the other things that we've been looking at in this prayer series is uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about giving up something. Um, sometimes it's uh, to refrain from something in order to take on something else, like giving up something in our regular, ordinary lives to take on more of an awareness of God or to take on prayer. And so if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've heard about people from GRX sharing their experiences, giving up busyness, giving up a lot of activity and taking on 10 minutes of silence and solitude, or you heard last week, giving up screen time after 9 p.m., seeing how that enhances your relationships and connections with people. And I think the most spiritual of all, not that we're judging or anything, but giving up ESPN from now until Easter, giving up March Madness, the NCAA college and ultimate tournament, um, to just take on new experiences to take on a new opportunity to see God. I found it interesting that this week we received a letter from the president of the Evangelical Covenant uh, Church. That's our grouping of churches. So President Gary Walters, who's over all the 850 churches with, uh, of which we are a part of, President Gary sent out a letter. And I was really struck by his talking about this practice of giving up something in order to enhance his relationship with God. I thought, well, this is very timely. So I was going to read a small snippet from President Gary's uh, letter. And Gary wrote, um, I did not grow up in a home with many spiritual leanings. And so I never quite got the, quote, giving up something, um, like giving up something for Lent or giving up something before Easter. Giving up something 
that certain of my friends would observe. And then he adds this, but the older I get, the more meaningful, simple patterns like that prepare me for the cross and resurrection of Holy Week. And then, could this be put on the board? This, I thought this was really great from Gary Walters. He said, practicing a modest personal constraint does indeed prompt me to be more mindful of the costly sacrifice of Jesus. Practicing a modest personal constraint does indeed prompt me to be more mindful of the costly sacrifice of Jesus. And that, I think, hits the nail on the head of what I was inviting us to consider. You know, it's not something out of, um, of, of torture that we give up something, or it's not out of guilt, or it's, you know, you're not a bad person because you watch ESPN. You know, it's, it's not any of that. It's simply we can enter a season where we would constrain ourselves, which is very countercultural to the Silicon Valley Bay Area, that we would actually constrain ourselves from anything, because right? everything is available to us. But we would take on a modest personal constraint for the purpose of finding deeper joy and deeper connection with Jesus Christ in prayer and the sacrificial love of Christ on the cross. So that's this season, and today's message is on a deeper understanding of prayer, and particularly prayers of the heart. What Gary goes on to say in the rest of this letter is he will say that when he practices different kinds of spiritual practices, it opens up for him a deeper connection at his heart level not just at the intellect, but at the heart. And so I'm going to be going through today a message on praying from the heart. I'm going to actually use a passage of scripture that's not really commonly connected with prayer. Then what I'll do is I'll share about a five-step sort of prayer practice. I'll reflect on how that shows up in Psalm 51. And then right at the end of the message, I'll actually walk us through that practice. So we will actually practice one of these prayers. And so with that, let's turn to scripture. And we're going to look at this one passage in Mark 12, 28 to 30. Let me give you a little bit of background on what is going on here. This is a scene where there's someone that's called the scribe. Now, you... In, in the time of Jesus, a scribe is someone who, like as the name says, is someone who writes, but particularly they're writing the law. They're writing the Torah. They're writing the, the Jewish scriptures. So they're very, very familiar with the law, and they not only write it, but they also teach it to other people. It's a little bit like a, like a lawyer of sorts, but around the Jewish law. And so a scribe is listening in And Jesus and some other people are having a dispute. And he's listening in, and he he hears something from Jesus, and so he throws in a question. So that's the scene, and Jesus is going to give a teaching to this scribe. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. This is Jesus and a group of people. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well... 
meaning seeing that Jesus answered the crowd well, the scribe asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he goes on later to say, and then the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Now this passage is sometimes called the great Shema passage. It actually comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it comes, um, Michael, if you could scroll back to the last uh, slide. It, says, it starts with this, hear, O Israel, because in Hebrew, Shema means hear or listen. But it doesn't mean just hear and listen like, okay, I heard you, but it means like listen and do. Listen and do, that's what the Shema means. So Jesus says, this is the most important thing. Listen and do this, that the Lord our God is one. And then if you could go to the next slide, please. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, this is, might be a familiar passage to people, but it could also feel esoteric. Like, how do you actually love God? Like, how do you actually do that with all your heart, soul, mind, strength? And the bridge for me is one of those ways that we can do it is through prayer. That we can pray because prayer is simply communication with God, talking with God, listening to God, pouring out our own hearts to God and minds, and also listening to God's speaking into our lives, like a relationship. The foundation of any relationship of love is communication. And that's what prayer is. And so over the next few weeks, what I'm going to be looking at is to pray and to love God through our prayers, but particularly through prayers of heart and through the prayers of the mind and prayers of the soul, and prayers using our strength or using our bodies. Because a prayer of the heart is different than a prayer of the soul, which is different still than the prayers of the mind, and different still from how we pray using our bodies. And so for the next few weeks, I'll be talking about that. And today, looking at prayers of the heart. It's a form of prayer, really to move from our heads and our minds and our, intellect, and, and our intellect, maybe more of our left brain, to move down into those places of our heart. To move from up here, which our training and our culture and maybe even our jobs has us living in, to move into the places of emotion. And the way that we're gonna do that is through these five steps which I'm calling the prayers of the heart. Other people have written on things like this. Um, sometimes it's called the prayer of reflection or a prayer of examination. There's a, there's a writer, Christian writer, Dennis Ham, who I'm really grateful for. He's done some thinking on this as well. But here are some steps for these prayers of the heart that we're gonna, that we're gonna walk through. So the five steps when we enter into this kind of prayer, 
The first part of our prayer is we pray for light. Pray for light. Which is simply praying for insight or illumination. That as we enter this form of prayer, that we would pray that God's Holy Spirit would fill us with an insight or his light or illumination so that we would be able to see the things that God would want to show us. Because we're going to be reflecting on our previous, say like our previous day. Now this is not a memory exercise. You're not trying to remember every single thing as we recall um, what we, when we go through this prayer exercise, we're going to recall the previous day. It's not a, a memory exercise at all. It's really just praying, God, what do you want me to see? That's the first step. And then the second step is we enter into this time of reflection. A reflection on our past day. Or you might even just want to spend reflecting on this morning. E- even before you arrived here at, at worship, at service with everyone. Just spend a little time reflecting, either on the morning or the day before. Now, I say thanksgiving here because sometimes when we start reflecting in this context, we we start feeling really bad about ourselves. Like we see the brokenness in our lives or our sin. We see our shortcomings. And and it's not really all about that. And so I, I throw the word thanksgiving here because it's a consideration of your day or your morning, but also leaning towards thanksgiving. Who were the people that God brought into your life? Where did you go? What did you do? What were the gifts or the goodness or the things that you could thank God for in that place? It's not just the, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that, or I wish I wouldn't have been so impatient, or I wish I wouldn't have yelled at that driver who cut me off, you know? Because I know if your mind's like mine, those are the places that, that I go. So go to a place of thanksgiving, reflecting on that. And then the third step is moving into this place of feeling, reviewing your feelings. What did you feel as you went through your day? Now, I'm going to say something specifically to the men in our church here. And men, let me start first by saying, one, I love you. I love you, men. And, and you know if you were here earlier, right, I talked about emotions and maturity and spiritual maturity. So men, and maybe some of you women too, right, we have more than just two emotions, It's more than just, I feel good and I feel bad, right? More than I feel good and I feel bad, right? There's there's lots of things that we can feel, right? We can feel joy, we can feel hopefulness, we can feel contentment, delight, we can feel boredom, we can feel fear, resentment, anger, we can feel Impatience, desire, regret, shame, guilt, pride, rage, doubt, confidence. There's like a lot of ways that we can feel into our prayer. Whatever was there, that's the third step. And then the fourth step brings us to focus. 
And this is kind of touching back on illumination or light. We pray out of a focus on one of those particular feelings. Maybe it's joy. Maybe you reflect and pray out of a place of joy. Maybe it's sorrow. That's okay. You can be in that place. And then you let your heart begin to pray out of that place. And then the last thing is, then we pray into a future. We pray for help in the coming day or the coming hour. We pray for restoration, a deeper awareness of God's presence. So these are the five um, steps of moving from our head into moving into our heart. This might be entirely new. You may have never seen anything like this before. And so like trying anything new, I would encourage you for this week to go ahead and give this a try. Maybe even at 11 o'clock to get to a place and, and practice this. It's like riding a bicycle or, or learning how to tie your shoes. Anytime we start with something, it's always hard. It feels a little awkward. It feels a little uncertain. Um, but as we practice it, it becomes more a part of who we are. And so I just offer this as a different way of praying, entering into our emotion and praying the heart. I was struck as I was reflecting on this message that how there are echoes of this form of prayer in Psalm 51. In this great prayer that we get, the prayer, create in me a clean heart, O God. We're going to look at this just very briefly, and then after this, I'll take us through an activity where we'll actually do this prayer of the heart. But in, prayer, in Psalm 51, we've got this famous, famous psalm. And this is, the, this is the psalm that King David writes and prays after something really horrible happens. It's actually out of something really horrible that he does. It's reflected in the book of Samuel. It's in 2 Samuel, it's chapter 11, and follows from there. And what happens is, in, um, in uh, 2 Samuel 11, King David um, has a soldier in his army named Uriah the Hittite. He has Uriah killed. He actually orders him to be killed. And he does that in order to steal Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And then so King David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. And then, in this, we're not going to talk about it now, but in this really profound act of love and honesty and authenticity and confrontation, Nathan, the prophet, and I would even say the friend of David, comes and confronts David about David's sin, which was a secret sin, his sin. He, Nathan basically brings light to the situation. He illuminates David. And David experiences pain, and he experiences conviction and guilt. And then, out of contrition, out of contrition, he then prays this prayer. So he says this, well, the, the opening says, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. He had stolen Bathsheba. And then this is the prayer. 
right? It starts with Nathan's illumination, Nathan's light. And then he reflects. And David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your mercy, right? This is the reflection on the character of God. I was even recognizing this as, what is the goodness of God? What could he give thanks to God for? That God is merciful, that God has steadfast love, but he recognizes that and then moves straight on to a series of feelings, remorse, sadness, guilt. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Right? His guilt, his sadness. And then he moves into the focus on his heart. Later on in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And then at the end of the psalm here, it's the future. Cast me not from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. The hope for restoration, a renewed relationship with God going forward. So we're going to now enter into a prayer activity for us. I'll play some music underneath that as well. But, but just, Michael, before we do that, just before we do that, um, thanks. Um, I'd also like to invite you to do one more new thing. And again, this might feel a little bit awkward. Um, I'd invite you to move from your bodily position. Meaning, I I know we usually don't do this at GRX, all right? If you guys know, I like to remind you of the awkward thing. Um, don't worry. Like, don't worry about, like, what are the things you're worried about? Right? Drawing attention to yourself. Don't worry about that, because no one should be looking at you. Don't worry about, like, trying to appear all super spiritual, because I know you guys, and you're not all super spiritual. So don't worry about that. And I love you guys. Um, don't worry about that. But I just found that when I pray, So that's one thing I'd have you do. What you can do is just you can move right now. You can just what what you would do is you would you would um, use your seat and you would turn around and you would like kneel and put your elbow on your seat. So I'd invite you to go ahead and do that. It's, and only if you're comfortable, right? If you're brand new, you're like, eh, I don't know, I don't want to do that. You don't have to do that. Another posture that you can take if you want to is I find I'll just take my glasses off and sit where I am, but place my hands into my face. And again, it's just a posture of humility. It's just a posture of humility. Now, it's invitational. You don't have to do any of these things. If, you, if you're most comfortable just sitting, go ahead and just sit. And I'm going to lead us through this kind of prayer. All right. So, Michael, if you would. What I'm going to invite you to do is to draw on your past experience. Either reflect on your morning so far today or reflect on your yesterday. So, God is God's 
We pray that your Holy Spirit give us a Give us a great